Good evening, church. My name's Ruby, and I'll be reading the Bible for us tonight. The Bible reading tonight comes from 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verses 1 to 20. I'll just give you a minute to find it. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Almelites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Anima of Zezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Camel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Alchemic, Bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I, pers- shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to the Bessar Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian field. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an alchemite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kerats and some territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, we, and we burned the Ziglag. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. He led David down, and there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away, except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Alchemites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder, or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hello. I hope you're all going well. It's so good to be here without masks, singing, sitting a bit closer. It's so good. So we have been a big, it's been a big but beautiful journey through 1 Samuel, and I'm a little bit sad that tonight is going to be our last night in it. But I am excited for what God has for us for tonight. And so we are going to see 
how following God means finding strength through dependence on Him. And so to get us in the mindset of this passage, I want you guys to all think of a time where you were completely dependent on someone else, where you couldn't do it on your own, you needed someone else to help you. So I've got an example that comes to mind for me. So I grew up in a suburb called Dombarton, and it's in Wollongong, but it's pretty much out of the way of everywhere else in Wollongong. It's kind of set back a bit in the mountains. Most of you have probably never heard of it. Most of my friends had never heard of it. But I grew up there and there was absolutely no way I could get anywhere without relying on my family. I'm talking like it was literally a four kilometre walk from my house to the next road and you were still in the middle of nowhere. And there was certainly no public transport. It was very, very much out of the way. I heavily, until I got my license, relied on my family. Without them, I physically wasn't getting very far. And so we that's a light-hearted example, but we all have stories of times when we needed other people. That is just life. It is is impossible to go through this life entirely on your own without other people helping you out. And uh, that is one of the most fundamental things about being a Christian and about uh, following God, is that we are utterly dependent on Him. Firstly, for our salvation, hopefully all of you, especially those of you who know Jesus, know that there is nothing that we can do to be saved. That is all 100% God. But secondly, we need God to help us to follow Him day to day. And this is what we see in David's story tonight. So if you remember back in this journey, Saul was made king of God's people. But he wasn't a very good king. He wasn't really that good at listening to God and following through on uh, what God wanted him to do. So God said, no, you aren't going to be king anymore. I've got a new guy who's going to listen to me, who's going to follow me, who's going to lead my people. And that man's name is David. So we're at this point in the story now where Saul is still king, but it is getting pretty dicey. He is on a downward slope in the biggest way. He actually dies very soon. It is really, really sad. So Saul is still king, but his life is kind of, his, his leadership's not good. He is in a world of trouble at the moment. He's going down. David is rising up. God's preparing him to be the next king. We're starting to see more of David's character. God's teaching him. God's leading him. And that is about where we're at in the story tonight. And one of the main differences between these two men is their dependence on God. We have seen, if you've been on this journey with us, that so often Saul just likes to do his own thing. God will tell him something and he'll kind of like half follow through on it or like not really or will for a bit and get over it and then do his own thing. He isn't great at sticking it through and following God the whole way. But David is a very different guy. He is living a life dependent on God and the strength that God gives him. So in this story tonight, the Amalekites, they are enemies of Israel. They have raided Ziklag, which is a town where the Israelites were living. And they burnt it down. They took all the people and yeah, captured them, all the women and children. 
And immediately in this first verse, we are seeing uh, a way that Saul has failed his people. If you go back to 1 Samuel 15, God actually tells Saul to destroy all of the Amalekites. And Saul like half does it, but doesn't fully do it. And now the Israelites are paying the consequences of Saul not following through. So Ziklag is raided, the Israelites are stolen, and David and his men are coming home to a city on fire. And I cannot even imagine how horrible this is. These men are expecting to come home to their families. Instead, their families are captured and their homes are destroyed. And this is what it says in verse 4. It is a tragic picture. So David and his men wept aloud until he had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. It is tragic and heartbreaking and it is only getting worse for David. The men who were with David were furious. And verse 6 tells us this, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And you might step back and be like, well, what's that about? That doesn't seem very fair. David didn't do this to them. His wives got captured as well. But this actually makes a lot of sense. So it was David's idea to find safety in Philistine territory. So Ziklag, this town where they've all been living, is actually in the Philistine kingdom. And if you remember, the Philistines are also enemies of the Israelites. And so David and his men and their families, they lived in this little town in Ziklag, in the Philistine territory. And from there, they would go out into raiding parties. So they would raid different Amalekite territories and come home. And so essentially, this is the Amalekites fighting back, and this is what happened to them. So you can understand why the Israelites are blaming David for this tragedy. But what David did next shows why he was chosen to be king. David found strength in the Lord his God. And this is incredibly significant. When David was in his toughest position, his home destroyed, his family captured, his men literally wanting to kill him, he goes and finds strength in God. Remember just before it says he had been weeping until he had no strength left. David had nothing within himself, but he found strength in God. And the significant thing about this is that it's personal. This relationship between God and David is personal. It says he found strength in the Lord, his God. And this kind of personal, intimate relationship that we see there between David and God is not one that we have seen yet displayed in Saul and God. But then what does, what does David do with this strength from God? Verse 7 tells us, then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? David asked God what he should do. He didn't get filled up from God and then he's like, right, all right, let's go. Let's get him. Let's do it. He stops. He got his strength 
and he asked God what he should do. He is completely dependent on him. And this is incredibly different to what the Israelites used to do. If you remember way back in 1 Samuel 4, the Israelites marched themselves into this battle with the Philistines. They didn't care about God. They didn't ask him. They did nothing. They were like, we're just going to go. We're just going to fight them. And then this battle turns pretty bad for the Israelites. And they're like, oh, I don't really understand why God's doing this. I know what we'll do. We'll bring out the Ark of the Covenant. God will fix this mess. It's going to be all good. Yep, we're sweet. It did not end like that. The Ark of the Covenant got captured and taken into Philistine territory. The Israelites were trying to do it in their own strength. And when they failed, they tried to wheel God out like a magic fix that would make it all better. The Israelites are not used to living dependent on God. But that is why David is the right guy to lead these people. He finds his strength through depending on God. So let's look what happens. God says in verse 8, Pursue them, you will certainly overtake them, and succeed in the rescue. So that's what David did. He went out. But it's important to realize that uh, David's dependence on God didn't stop here. David doesn't actually know who took the people, who burnt the city, or where they went. He probably has a pretty good idea that it was the Amalekites, but he doesn't know that for sure. We're given a ton of information about what's happening in verse 1 and 2 of this chapter, but David has no idea. Him choosing to go and to find this party is a complete act of faith still. And so they set out, and these men are exhausted Remember that they were returning home when they found this horrible situation. They were expecting to be at home resting, but they are back out there, marching straight back out for another fight. These men did not have the energy for this physically. There were 600 men with David, but in verse 10, we are told that 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. Those men literally could not continue. This is a sad and bleak picture. The men are exhausted. 200 of them can't carry on. They don't know exactly where they're going or what they're going to find when they find the raiding party. But David and 400 of his men kept going because God told them to go. And this is the incredible strength that David and his men find in God. They are utterly dependent on him. Without God, they are more stranded than I was in Dombarton without a license. It is a bad, bad situation. But you know what the beautiful thing about God is? Is that he will always show up for you. And he will always give you the strength and the ability to do what he has asked you to do. And God shows up for David and his men in a huge way. So we're going to skip now through verses 11 to 16 and hear what happens. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? 
He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He led David down and there they were. Here the Israelites are, searching for the Amalekites, not really sure where they're going, and God brings them the slave who knows exactly where the Amalekites are. That could only have been by God's provision, that they stumbled across this little servant dude, literally half, like he had been left there for dead. They revive him and he leads them there. David listened obeyed, was strengthened by the Lord, and now God was helping David do what he was asked to do. But now that the Israelites have arrived, they see that there are a lot of Amalekites. We don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere upwards of a thousand, maybe a couple, several thousand. We're not really sure. But what we do know is it's David and 400 exhausted men who are ready to faint. This is not looking like a fair fight against potentially thousands of well-fed and well-rested soldiers. But David knows that God is on his side. God has gotten them this far and he is not going to stop now. Verse 17, David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. So not only did David recover everything that was stolen from them at Ziklag, he actually got all the plunder from all the other places that the Amalekites raided. So this was a very, very successful rescue mission and then some. And this was all because David depended on God for his strength. There is absolutely no way he could have done what he did without God. Anyone would have called him crazy for going on that mission. It looked terrible, but God was on his side and he helped him do it. And this is the posture of complete dependence on God that we are called to have as we follow him. And if you need more convincing about how serious this is, listen to what Jesus has to say about himself. He says, by myself, I can do nothing. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Jesus, who is fully God, is utterly dependent on his Father. Jesus is, without question, the most dependent human being who ever lived. Because he can't do life on his own, he prays and he prays and he prays. Luke tells us that Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. If Jesus, who is also unquestionably the most capable human being who ever lived, since you know he is fully God, if he still completely depended on the Father for everything that he did, then it's pretty safe to say that we need to com- com- depend on God in the same way. If we ever think, oh, I don't really need to pray about that, it's all good, or I got this situation under control, then what we're really saying is that we've got stuff more under control than Jesus did when he was walking this earth. 
And we don't need to think very hard about that to realise how ridiculous that claim is. So if David isn't a good enough example for why we need God and why we need to ask him for things and to rely on him and to ask his opinion on stuff, then hopefully Jesus is. But I guess then the next big question is how do we live a life finding strength through depending on God? What does that actually mean? Well, I think the first step is acknowledging that we do need God. Not that we need him in a particularly bad day when things are hard or need him when we feel lost, but acknowledging that we need him for everything. And this can be really, really hard because in so many days we don't feel like we need God for our everyday lives. It seems like we can go through a typical day without God and we would be just fine. But when we do that, we forget that everything we have actually comes from God. Most of us are able to live pretty good, pretty comfortable lives on our own. And that is because God has provided so generously for us. I try to remind myself of the of my dependence on God every single day because I find it so easy to forget. And every day I try to pray, Father, please give me everything I need today to do your will. And at the start of the day, I don't exactly know what I'm going to need from God for that day. Maybe it's extra patience. Maybe it's extra love. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's kindness. Maybe I need to be more generous. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I know I can't do it by myself. I need God to do it through me. But that's good, right? That's kind of the point that I can't do it. It's finding strength through depending on God. And God meets our dependence by strengthening us. He never just leaves us high and dry. He always shows up for us. He gives us what we need, just like he gave David what he needed for his rescue mission. God will always show up for us when we're trying to live the life he has asked us to live. Like Jesus withdrew so regularly to pray, we too need to spend time with God every day in prayer. It's where he meets us, or one of the places where he meets us and where he strengthens us. But another important way we find strength through dependence is by listening to God. David asked God a question and he waited for the answer. God strengthens us through speaking to us. And we are so lucky that we have this entire book filled with stuff that God has said. We don't need to search very far at all to hear God's voice or to know what he thinks. It is literally all right here for us. And uh, we have the Holy Spirit living inside us who helps us hear God. And that is why spending time with God and in his word, reading our Bibles every day is so important. It's how the Spirit teaches us what God's voice sounds like. It's how the Spirit helps us to hear what God has to say about us and about our lives. It's where the Spirit teaches us what God is asking us to do. And the Spirit strengthens us as he reminds us who God is. I've been so encouraged this week by spending time in this passage. 
the Spirit has reminded me of how much I deeply need God and that he will always show up for me and help me do what he's asked. And finally, God strengthens us through each other. We aren't called to follow God alone, but to be part of a family who follows God. There are times where life will get tough and we need each other. David did. One of the times when Saul was chasing David, trying to kill him, Saul's son Jonathan really, really helped David out. 1 Samuel 23 says this, Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Jonathan helped David find strength in God. And how did he do that? He did it by reminding David of God's promise. We are all going to have times in our life where we forget uh, what God has said. When we feel sad or we feel crushed or we feel so stressed that we can't see God anymore. We can't see the truth of his promise and we need each other. We need friends and family who are going to point us back to Jesus and say, hey, remember that God's got this. Remember God's got you. He hasn't abandoned you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Surround yourself with people who point you back to Jesus. People who pray for you and encourage you and remind you what God is like, what God has said, and who you are as God's child. Be that friend to other people because we all have times in our life where we need that encouragement and love. And I think that the last thing that we really need to think about tonight is that what do we actually need God's strength for? Like I said before, we could live, most of us could live pretty good, pretty comfortable lives just doing what we normally do in our week. We can be strengthened through prayer, through spending time in the Word and through other people, but what is the point of it? Well, there are actually countless reasons why we need God's strength, but I'm going to mention just a few. Firstly, to resist sin. Sin is so appealing. There is a reason why we like doing the things that we shouldn't do. It's fun. It feels good. It promises to give us something that it actually won't, but something that we want. But at the end of the day, sin is never going to be good for us. But it's really tempting. And so we need God's strength to help us resist. Second, we need God's strength to do the right thing. Whether that's be nice to someone we find annoying or to make the right choice even when people are pressuring us or to stand up to someone or to forgive someone who has deeply hurt you or to do something really scary that God has asked you to do. It could be anything. But sometimes doing the right thing is really hard and to do it we need to get our strength through being dependent on God. And finally... I think we need to depend on God to give us the strength to do what this whole series has been about. Strength to follow God and to follow the leaders he has put in our life. There are always going to be times when this is hard. 
following God can be hard. And following an imperfect person is always going to be harder. But it's what God has called us to do. And he will always help us do the things he has asked us to do. Like he helped David fight when he had no strength left. Like he helped Jesus as he was being prepared to be nailed to a cross. He will give us the strength if we stay dependent on him. So stay dependent on him. May not always be the most comfortable position, but it's the best one. And because following him day to day is the best decision that we could ever make. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you lead us. I thank you that you also walk beside us, that you live inside of us, that you are kind and you are gentle and that you take us by the hand as we follow Jesus. I pray that you will give us the strength to listen to the things that you are placing on our hearts, the strength to follow those above us and above all the strength to follow you for the rest of our days. We thank you that you always show up for us and I just pray that we will remember that no matter what our lives look like. Amen. Thanks, East Ruth. I love that. I love the idea of acknowledging that, yeah, we so need God and we need Him to do different things every day and asking Him every day.